Former U.S. Army paratrooper, historian, and conspiracy analyst, Tony Arterburn, joined by top researchers and guests, exploring the depths of our hidden history. Expose the crimes and cover-ups that plague our civilization and planet and patrol the borders of our reality. 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 From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body, soul, and mind. Be a paratruther. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Paratruther. I'm Tony Arterburn, broadcasting from deep in the heart of Texas here at the Main Street Mall, where we have our Wise Wolf Gold and Silver satellite location. I've also got Beans the Brave here, so I can't possibly have a bad show. I brought back the A-Team. We're going to tackle another year in conspiracy. This time it's 1947, so from flying saucers to the birth of the national security state, we're going to go over it. Uh, first, I'll introduce Chris Graves, who um, I was thinking of something to, today, Chris, uh, how to introduce you. I don't yet have a theme like a song or a clip for you. I should think about that. But I would say I, I thought of the movie Blow for, with Johnny Depp and not because of cocaine. Because of my massive cocaine problem. <laughs> <laughs> because because of what he says about uh, he says, you know, in the, in the early 1980s, if, if you did cocaine in the United States, there's an 80 percent chance it came from us. And I thought, you know, there's probably an 80 percent chance if you scour all of the alternative media podcasts that Chris Graves has been on it, uh, which is a huge achievement. Now, you probably researched for it or have been on every major podcast. And I'm really proud of you. I think you've done an amazing job there uh, and uh, all the help you've done with Don Jeffries and so on and so forth and, and the shows we've done together. So Chris Graves. Researcher Without Peer is here, and he's brought uh, a massive amount of links, which I appreciate. And, of course, for Mr. Anderson, I, I do have something for you, and it's been a while since we played it, so let's do this. We have set our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anderson. It's so long. I know. It's so good. It just gets better. It keeps saying your, your name Mr. over. Mr. Anderson. Mr. Anyway, we've got we've got the the AI is looking for Mr. Anderson over and over again, and uh, we are too. And we appreciate having your brain here, sir. Having your research and your commentary. Welcome back to your own show. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Good seeing you, Chris. And I think that's like an MK Ultra experiment you're doing on me. That's probably how they torture me. It's more like Pavlov's dog. I, yeah, I, <laughs> you hold a treat. It's, no, I'm just going to keep doing it, and every time you hear it, you get nervous. Like, I'm on air. Is that something about to happen? Am I? And so you want Agent to Smith? The Matrix again. <laughs> <laughs> Agent Smith, are you here? All right, folks. Well, this is um, so we designed designed this podcast uh, for this reason specifically, which is to talk about the big ideas and have a roundtable discussion. And uh, I think we each bring a unique perspective and we look at history. Um, and of course, I come from a, a background of living a little bit of history and reading like court historians. And what brought me to what I do now in alternative media is research. 
You know, I found that um, when you take out the conspiracy out of history, what you're left with is nonsense and uh, and naivete and, and uh, again, um, a lack of understanding. So I think this is just a natural progression to go back through my notes of what I've learned over the years reading regular historians and then laying over that to get a true understanding of the map of history, uh, actual alternative research. And so we're digging into the year 1947. And immediately when I think of 1947, obviously Roswell comes to mind, you know, because that's something. And really that wasn't a thing. Like that was really an underground, uh, off the books, you know, uh, whispered about event that really didn't take off until the 80s. And you can correct me, either one of you can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I don't think it really took off until was a Jesse Marcel that came out that, that uh, later the intelligence officer that showed up and broke the, broke his silence. And I think that was in the 70s or it's 80s. Actually his son. Yeah. His son. Oh, it was his son. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he, was, he was interviewed as well, and yeah. he started going back on everything he said. And he goes, it was from out of this world. So, but yeah, his son did an interview as well because he took a lot of the materials and debris to his house to, for his son to play with, I guess. So, and it had like hieroglyphics written on the metal pieces. Right, right. On the I-beam, correct. Yeah, yeah I think that's, and that's really etched into the minds of most people in pop culture. You think about 1947, you think about Roswell, and really that starts on July 4th. If you look at the timeline, I always thought that was interesting. And I, I read that in uh, Jim Mars's book, Alien Agenda, that was written back in 1997. And I thought, is that why they made Independence Day? You know, the July 4th, like they're coming back on the same day. And that was never, I don't think that was ever been put two and two together, except maybe for me. Um, but I looked at that and you look at Kenneth Arnold, uh, Mount Rainier, uh, right that's before the Roswell, one. the big that's one. Because that's where the term flying saucer was coined, even though the thing, the objects that he saw were like wing shaped. They weren't saucers. But the way he described it was like um, like saucers, like in the water, like, uh, mm-hmm. like a pebble, skipping like, across, skipping like, across like yeah. saucers. Yeah. Well, I will say this. And I um, actually the term flying saucer comes from Denison, Texas, where I'm broadcasting from now. It comes from the late 1870s. And there was a farmer here that looked up. And he was out plowing his field and looked up and he saw what he described as a flying saucer. And that's where the term comes from, actually. Uh, So it's not even Kenneth Arnold then? It wasn't Kenneth Arnold. Actually, I got that from Jim Mars's book, too. And that's that's pretty, um, I think, uh, substantiated as well. Is that significant, too, because there was a mysterious um, airship. uh, wave all across America. And that was a little later. That was like the 1890s. But that's what I mean. It was around that era, though, before the flying saucer. It was a little bit before. You know, we should when we do more UFO stuff, we'll have to look that up because I've 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 talked about that. It's just kind of random that, you know, I'm I'm here in Denison, my satellite location for my business. And I've got a little house here. I thought that was interesting. I read that years ago, though. Um, Yeah, but it's it's UFO lore. Right. We we, 47 definitely establishes that. But it's really the birth of the modern national security state, you know, the the apparatus for the controlling entity of war, right? And the god of war. And it, you look at, this is post-World War II. We dropped the bomb in 45, you know, ended the war. We clinched the war and, and the, the victory in the Pacific uh, and, uh, of course, in, in Europe. But the war, the whirlwind was, was sowed because we had this, uh, you know, the seeds were planted for the Cold War. The Cold War was really just beginning in 1947, really heating up. 
and uh, you have the birth of the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, this is the the document uh, that was signed by President Truman. This is the birth of the National Security Council. And Didn't that, he do that, Tony, on his uh, airplane? Like the first Air Force one was called Sacred Cow. <laughs> the Sacred Cow was, yeah, and that was through uh, Franklin Roosevelt called it the Sacred Cow. And then, of course, Truman took it over because he was president uh, after Roosevelt died in office in 1945, I believe. Um yeah, he died in 45, just before we, we won the war. And, and, and uh, of course, World War II uh, victory in Europe, VE Day was Harry Truman's birthday, which is May 8th. Um, so a lot of lot of synchronicity there. Uh, but yeah, he signed that document. And uh, this is in 1947, just after Roswell. So like July, I think July 26th, uh, just after the aftermath of Roswell. And I want to get into to more about Roswell, but there's some strange happening. So you got the birth of the Air Force. In, in that memorandum in the National Security Council, the National Security Agency, you, you get you get the birth of the uh, Central Intelligence Agency, the NSA. Right. So there's there's all these different agencies popping up, becoming uh, coming online uh, in 1947. And really, again, that's what we realize and what we think of now is the modern national security state, the forever war apparatus. So the leftovers um, of the OSS of World War Two. Right. The uh, the entity that JFK would later say he wanted to smash into a thousand pieces and scatter to the wind. That's right. right? Um, And that was born in 1947. So a lot of things come out of there. And I I even want to discuss, you know, what you guys think about uh, Majestic 12 and some other interesting topics of 47. But uh, uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you first. Um, You know, you had you sent me a lot of links. What what sticks out with you? Well, I'd have to I'd have to say um, Kenneth Arnold was. Oh, like I was saying before, it was kind of interesting because um, I was I wasn't really familiar with the Denison, Texas uh, origin of that term flying saucer. And did I pronounce it right, Denison? Yes, sir. Okay. You did. Okay. Cool, <laughs> um, guys. I had always thought, and uh, shame on me because uh, I'm huge into UFO lore. That I always thought that he coined that term uh, flying saucer just because of people misquoting him and everything. Um, but I think like that ushered in the modern era of UFOs in general. And it was basically kind of leftovers from the Nazis because the Nazis were developing technology with flying discs and uh, other kind of crafts like a bell, even uh, the Glockenstein, uh, I I believe it's pronounced. I hope, I hope I'm not screwing that up, but uh, yeah, no, they had all kinds of technology that they were working on. And the United States and Russia kind of came in with the Operation Paperclip and scooped up all like their best and brightest uh, for what for whatever that is worth in terms of, you know, calling Nazis best and brightest. But they were very intelligent and they were working on various projects and they were involved with the occult. You know, yeah. wasn't it the Vril Society, the Vril Society, right? Yeah. The, the, the Nazis had the Vril Society and they and that really harkens back. They like their core belief, I believe, is that they were yeah. descendants of extraterrestrials. Right. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. And that's kind of where um, later on the theories would kind of come from the idea that they went to Antarctica and that there was a UFO base that the Nazis had in Antarctica on the moon, even they mentioned. And then you get into Admiral Byrd with the flat earth and the hollow earth stuff. So a lot of that stems from 1947, you know, just with the modern UFO age being ushered in and personally, just based on just the research over the years, 
Um, I think a lot of this, a lot of these uh, UFOs that were observed in the 1940s was us. I think it was a domestic, like, spying type program on not just us, but other countries as well. Like, under the guise of extraterrestrials, because then Hollywood, you know, kind of picked up the football and ran with it. And everything was about flying saucers and movies and TV. And I love the Twilight Zone, but... Rod Serling was pushing that flying saucer thing oh, quite a bit, too, you know. And as we know, there's a CIA liaison to Hollywood even to this day. So I don't think there's, you know, I don't I don't believe in coincidence. So I'm not a coincidence there, Steve. So, no. uh, you know, I was looking at uh, some of your notes here um, and one of the one of the headlines from uh, the peoplehistory.com. Just the top 10 is a Roswell UFO incident. Number two, U.S. Secretary of State George C. Marshall announces the Marshall Plan, which is really the Truman Plan. And that's the massive uh, economic uh, humanitarian aid bailout uh, of of Europe uh, to save it from falling into the hands of uh, the Soviets, um, which was something that the United States had really never done before um, and uh, really outside of our of our post-war nature. But we did that anyway. Uh, kind of setting the stage for m- more Cold War tensions. Uh, number three, the International Monetary Fund begins to operate, which really the IMF was was a product of uh, the meeting in 1944 uh, in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, where you get uh, the dollar becomes the world's reserve currency and uh, so on and so, so forth, pegging the dollar and uh, gold, $35 an ounce. And the dollar, um, again, you know, that's begins its its drift to become the hegemonic dominant currency of the world. And then uh, fast forward to today and it's on its way out. Yeah. Uh, number four, the start of the Cold War, which endured for over four decades. Number five, the United States, uh, United Nations votes in favor of the creation of an independent Jewish state of Israel. Number six, India and Pakistan gain independence from Great Britain. Uh, I know Mr. Anderson was talking about that off air, which I think that's a, a huge story, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, number seven, Jackie Robinson took to the field for the Brooklyn Dodgers, becoming the first African-American to play in Major League Baseball. Uh, eight, Bell Laboratories invents the transistor. Number th- number number nine, Thor uh, Hydril's uh, balsa wood raft, the Contiki smashes into the reef of Aurora. I'm, t- I'm not sure of that story at all. I have to I have to look that one up. That made number oh, nine. I, that's a big one, Tony. I'm surprised you don't know about that I'm one. Sure, I'm really surprised I don't know that one. Uh, number 10, <laughs> Chuck Yeager, United States Air Force captain, World War II veteran, becomes the first person to break the sound barrier, yep. which is interesting in the face of, uh, you know, everything you talk, you know, Chris was talking about. Uh, it looked, Technology looked, that was, that we, I, I was thinking was, of Operation Paperclip. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you were you, in that the stuff that was brought over, like we have no idea. I mean, it was a race at the, the really the 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 end of nineteen, you know, going to forty four, going into forty five. It was a race to get the scientists. You know, the the Soviets wanted the the best Nazis, and we wanted the the best Nazis, and it was just a race. You know, we, we end up getting. I mean, you think how crazy it is. We got Werner von Braun, yeah. and and then like Walt Disney, like has him making movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Which so is, if you think about it now, it's like that's insane. 
earlier you know, that, I did not mean to use the words best and brightest. I just didn't know what else to <laughs> you know what I mean. I to say that in the same this is the last episode. Thanks, Chris. The most intelligent he's gonna do the Doctor Strange love salute right there. Uh, the he can't stop himself. He's holding his hand down. <laughs> Digging my own grave. The bet, the bet they're digging your own grave, Chris Graves. Chris Graves. Grave. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I got what you meant, and that's there was a race. It was a race to to get the the top Nazis, and then if you think of how weird that is, that we end up getting Werner von Braun. You know, it's uh, I mean the the London Blitz and everything else, so the the V two rockets, and you know like, well, again, I, Walt Disney I, I, putting him on his own show. <laughs> Well, yeah. well, it was it was funny because one time I went to the uh, the base that's in Birmingham, Alabama, and there's a huge NASA presence there. And I was like, why on earth is there a huge NASA presence here? And then somebody told me, he goes, well, when we brought over all the Nazis um, after World War II, they originally went to California, but they were pouting because it didn't look like the motherland. And so they actually scouted around the U.S. and tried to find a region that looked like wooded forests in Germany. And that's why they settled there. And I was like, wow, that's strange. <laughs> it's strange. I didn't know that. Yeah. And how does this correlate with Argentina? That's an, that's even, an interesting concept. Yeah. Deep to dive. Yeah. Well, I know that well, Argentina is, uh, I would think it, was, it has a, a lot of hills and, uh, you know, it's definitely not a flat land. Um, is it like I mean, it's not a lot of uh, let's say white folks. So if if the stories are true about Hitler escaping and Mengele escaping down there, I you know Alabama, well, Mengele did escape down there. Well, yeah, no, but I mean, like, there's also the theory that Hitler, you know, lived a full life there and died. Yeah, it was it was weird. They really tried. Tony and I were discussing this recently about how much they tried to burn him and do all that beforehand and. We need to make a show on that. Stalin tried to find Stalin tried to find Hitler's dentist to to look at the teeth of I mean it's it was weird. Because yeah, Stalin man. didn't believe he was dead. The skull was like female or something I had also heard before too. Skull yeah, I heard that. Like, yeah, there's something wrong with that story. Yeah. There's just there's just something there's uh, something that's not right with that story. I think you know, and the FBI had an open file on it from what I remember. That's right. Uh, and JFK even had, I think, had some interest in it. So it's there's some there's something to it. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's so many top Nazis that fled. Um, you know, you look at uh, uh, Martin Born. Yeah. The guy, I mean, the guy was like the un, like the right the right hand man to Hitler at the end of the war. I mean, we're this is I mean about forty seven, yeah, but it's pretty close, right? Um, but there's but there's something going on with that, and and it, it was the all the corporations that were started, you know, at the end of the war. Yeah. And those that, that could become, and again, that's why Jim Mars wrote about the Fourth Reich. So there's something that really kind of goes back and ties into what I'm talking about, which is 47 is the birth yeah. of the national security state in the Cold War. And the Cold War, again, you know, I call it the national security blanket. Like you need your security blanket. It's right. everything is covered by national security. It's like, oh, we'll release all the information. We're transparent. And you just turn, it's just redacted. You know, everything's just black line stuff, right? And that's what... Because it's national security. You just, everything is national security, national security. That comes from 1947. We yeah. ceased to be really a republic at that time. I mean, yeah, there'd been, we had major blows to freedom with the Federal Reserve, which we covered in our last episode right. in 1913, the income tax and so on and so forth. 
but really solidifying in 47. Yeah. 47 is is huge because you get these these massive entities that become governments unto themselves. Yeah. You know, like the Central Intelligence Agency can I mean who monitors that? I mean the what the, the last try was the church committee. Yes. Back in the 70s. And uh you know our friend Don Jeffries with Mark Lane, you know, um in the um and even that the, was the assassinations review board and all that. So, yeah. I mean, try, trying, those were the last gasp of Congress having any oversight of these. And now, now they run their candidates. I mean, <laughs> Barack Obama, it's pretty much, I don't know if is that, is it even arguable anymore that he's a, I mean, just a complete construct of the central intelligence agency. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, these, they run their own people now. Like they have, I mean, don't I, I don't they have their own air force, Tony. Wasn't it the the senator from Hawaii that said that, that that there was a government inside the government that had, and uh, I forget the name. They're cowboys. They're they're cowboys that can do whatever they want. Which senator was it? Was it the one that told all the white men to shut up? No, not that one. No, this (laughs) was... No, he was a World War II veteran. I forget his... Inway? Yeah, I'll look it up. It's it's been a while, but I remember that quote that he's like, oh, they have their own Air Force, and he's talking about like a, a... a government, a counter government inside the government, which we would refer to now as the deep state. Exactly. Um, that's where this stems from. Um, so you, you, we're in that that vein. If we're in that uh, line of logic, what what is the validity of something like, and what's the background and origin story to something like a Majestic Twelve? Well, I mean, th- there are ties to it in Roswell. Um, Chris and I were talking a little bit beforehand. I mean, uh, there were actually accounts and there were some um, uh, radar operators who saw it, said it too, that 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 night they saw two different objects and they disappeared at the same time. And apparently there was just this ridiculous lightning storm. And I lived in New Mexico for a while and I, I remember it was really strange weather. It's nothing, no cloud in the sky, and then a deluge of rain for about five minutes, and then you got these lightning storms all the time. I remember driving down the highway, and one hit a transformer, and everything went pitch black in the city. But apparently, they were having one of these crazy lightning storms, and the story was that two of these UFOs actually collided, and there was a a second UFO. And then Chris and I, Chris pointed out, there was actually a, a, a memo recovered from the FBI archives, I think in 2013, where... Um, somebody was writing to J. Edgar Hoover, and it actually said there were three crafts that were recovered. But the second one was the interesting one, as there was supposedly one of these little little guys, these little critters that was still alive and stayed with the Air Force or the government somewhere, right? Some hangar, maybe Los Alamos till 52. And I think a lot of Majestic 12 came from that, if I'm not mistaken. I think a lot because of, then the negotiations began, right? Well, I want to say, and, and Chris, you might want to back me up on this, but isn't the the concept of Majestic Twelve was twelve men uh, from the national security state that from different backgrounds that were basically to, uh, to oversee all information and worldwide, and not just the United States, but worldwide. Right. Yeah, more things related to extraterrestrial UFO encounters, recovered craft. And one supposed member was directly involved. His name was Lieutenant General, like Twining, Twining, something like that. And he was a 
part of that, thank you, Air, Air Material Command at Wright Field in Ohio. And um, he got on a plane and went down to, you know, Corona, New Mexico, Roswell, where all this was happening. And uh, he was supposedly one of the members later in Majestic 12. So it seems like a lot of it got kickstarted from what happened in Roswell. Um, I didn't know until recently that there was another crash. I, and you probably know about this, Chris, as well, and you, Tony, in 52 in Missouri, um, another UFO crash had happened. Well, I know in 52, uh, 52, there was a famous, uh, actually over Washington, D.C., I believe it was. Yeah where they invaded the, uh, you know, the precious airspace around the White House and the Capitol, you know, that same airspace that was invaded on 9-11-2001. That was a famous thing. And then I don't believe the battle for Los Angeles was 52, but... Uh, no, that was the battle for Los Angeles was 41. It was 41, yeah, yeah, because mm -hmm. they thought it was Japan at the time. Yeah. And come to find out it wasn't... Uh, That's where you get that. Supposedly, yeah. you get that uh, that photograph. They have the, the photograph of, of the floodlight, the giant lights, the searchlights in the sky, and and, uh, and missiles and bullets were fired at phantom lights, apparently. And a couple of people, I think it was documented, got hurt from our own art artillery that was <laughs> shooting at these things that were probably you know, and they called them Foo Fighters back then too. That's where the right. band got the name Foo Fighters. It was basically UFOs that we thought were either Japanese or German. And then they reversed and thought it was American too, you know, or British or whatever. And it wasn't any of anybody apparently, you know, so that's where the term Foo Fighters comes from. But yeah, no, 52 was the famous uh, Washington DC sighting uh, right over the white house, the, you know, Washington airspace. Wasn't there, there was another one in 47. Um, it was in the snake river incident. Snake is that what it is? Let me look it up. I'm just, I'm just uh, spitballing here thinking. I know the a, Maury, Maury Island thing. Um, there, there was another crash or another incident yeah. uh, in 47 of UFOs. And uh, it wasn't it was quite a bit of activity. And you had mentioned Island. earlier too. And, and I'll, when I look in this, I'm looking this up. Um, you'd mentioned earlier, you were talking about the hangar. There's a mythos, but, about the hangar where the supposed bodies were kept. Yeah. And that's yeah. hangar 18. Hangar 18. Yep. Um, either one of y'all, did you look anything up on hangar 18? Cause I know that, um, like Curtis LeMay, who, uh, was part of the joint chiefs of staff under Kennedy. Yes. One of, is one of the crazy people that thought we should have airstrikes followed by invasions of Cuba during the yeah, Cuban Northwoods. Crisis. Yeah. Northwoods. Yeah, he's a Northwoods guy, I'm sure. Um, but he he uh, believed in Hangar 18, um, along with Barry Goldwater, if I'm not mistaken. Like they kept alive a mythos of um, the idea. Also, was that Walter Cronkite was uh, present when he saw a flying disc that they were showing to uh, you know and people with you know need to know top secret type clearance. Walter Cronkite. Apparently had uh, something to say about that before he died. I tried to find those quotes earlier. I couldn't find them, but I did come across that at some point. Walter Cronkite claims that he was at uh, Hangar 18 and saw a flying disc that they were kind of testing out. Like, 
Is that why he get got to narrate the uh, cremation? the voice of the owl. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I connect dots. Fools. You know, <laughs> starts you know. yelling. Yeah, I mean, I think everything's connected. So you know, it's you know, he's probably privy to uh, many different dark things. You know. Well, but, this yeah, is had, the the overview. Nineteen forty-seven. A farmer and his two sons were at a fishing camp on August thirteenth, nineteen forty-seven. He noticed an object three hundred feet away, seventy-five feet above the ground. It was edge hopping, following the contour of the ground, um, about twenty feet in diameter and ten feet thick. Had pods on the side from which flames were shooting out it made a swooshing sound maury island ufo yeah, this zooms down snake river canyon idaho so i remember i remember that from a while ago just yeah another 47 incident is it the, yeah, same, I, the same incident we're talking about the maury island incident because that was june 21st 1947 no that's a different one different one okay well the maury maury island incident refers to claims made by fred Chrisman and Harold Dahl of falling debris and threats by men in black following sightings of unidentified flying objects in the sky over Maury Island in Puget Sound. The pair would later claim the events had occurred on June 21st, 1947, which was three days after Kenneth Arnold's uh, Mount Rainier sighting. Right. They claimed things, uh, debris and, and flames and things were shooting off uh, to, down towards them, like because uh, they were in the water. So that's what I thought you were referring to. But yeah, the Maury Island one is a little more uh, famous than the Snake River one. Yeah. That's a lot, lot of weird UFO activity in 47. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, going back to hangar 18 and the bodies i really didn't look into that but what i found interesting is as you pointed out it seems foreign to me but roswell really wasn't well known i mean things like uh, we were talking about friedman how, how he really delved into it and and got some interest growing and then shows like the x-files and there was so much public pressure that they united states air force released a report in 95 where they said the weather balloon was a lie it was actually project mogul these were secret surveillance balloons um, that had acoustic sensors, and we were trying to sense whether or not nuclear tests were being conducted by Russia. Then they were like, what about the bodies? They were and then they came out another report in 97 and said, oh, there was this operation called Operation High Dive, and we are throwing dummies out of the air. And all these people, that's what they saw were crash test dummies. And it's like, <laughs> why were they four feet tall? Shrunk. Yeah, moving around. And, yeah. <laughs> they actually said in the report... Um, you know, they'd lose limbs and fingers. And that's probably why they said, you know, some of the witnesses said the creature they saw only had four fingers. The dummy probably lost. <laughs> well, around that time in the uh, mid-1990s with the X-Files, Fox of all, you know, of all stations or whatever, they also put out you know, the alien autopsy thing that right. supposedly was, you know, actual footage from, you know, some of these bodies that were retrieved from Roswell. And, of course, you know, people in Hollywood had come forward and said, oh, no, we created it. But who knows? Maybe uh, some of it was real, you know. But, it's an open question. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's so much disinformation. It's a yeah. huge opportunity to have several different stories spin off from right. that. And you got to remember the, the environment that you're in. You know, the United States, for just a moment in time, was the, uh, the sole uh, holder of nuclear weapons that's right very very short moment in time very brief 
if you look at the the history, you go back and uh, I, I think it was Potsdam at the end of the war in uh, in Germany, and Harry Truman goes over to Stalin and says, um, "We're about to drop a new kind of weapon on Japan. Yeah. Uh, we've developed something very different, uh, very powerful. We're going to drop it on Japan." And Stalin just nodded because he already knew what it was because he's already building one. You know, he already had he had spies, and I mean, right. I mean, there was um, there's more communists inside the State Department today, but we had a ton of communists. <laughs> um, it's funny because I always make that joke about Joe McCarthy was like, I have a list of 116 communists. People thought that's a whack job. I, it's I not could, long enough. I, well, now I could just go. I have a list of all the communists and just print the employee list of the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's, it's, it's, it's yeah. still printing. It's still. <laughs> Do you have more ink, toner? State Department. <laughs> but yeah, they already. Had, so the, the you know yeah. Stalin already knew because he already had spies and uh, you know they were already they're already working on their own bombs. So there was this brief moment in time yeah. uh, where we alone uh, in the United States and the West had had nukes. And then that begins to change. And uh, 47 is really start to see the tension start to rise. And what do you know? Um, and I, I am one who thinks that there's something, uh, there's real evidence to say that something strange happened in 47. Something that's not dummies falling from the sky. It's not deformed prisoners. I've heard that one too. Uh, I yeah. don't think it was a time slip. And that the Third Reich's bell crashed and, you know, that the, they Time were built out. Yeah. I don't think Nazis re-engineering UFO technology crashed in 47. I, I think that we're looking at something otherworldly, something other dimensional, something yeah. different. Uh, something happened. And we will probably talk a little bit. There's lots of opinions on what that was. And I'm, I'm definitely. Well, you know who stuff. died in 47. I know, Mr. Anderson. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. <laughs> I know that. I tech I know we, we were texting last well, night. I'm like, you know what? Can I'm I just gonna, mention you can have no, can I'm I just not, mention I'm this about, about the Majestic 12 thing and the Hangar 18 thing? I think that I think that's like with Area 51, where they supposed to be secret, right? In the public eye or whatever, but they make it so it's the the most uh, well-known like area and installation like in America, don't they? Like Area 51, and they have like maps to it and everything. Don't go there; they'll shoot you on site. You know, but here's a brochure. Yeah, here's a brochure. <laughs> yeah, here's a hotel we just put yeah. up in the middle of nowhere. No, if if Area 51 was really supposed to be secret, like we're not going to know about it, you know. And same with Hangar 18. So wherever the wreckage and possible bodies were brought to we chances are we've never heard of it and it's probably underground you know i think it was funny in the last year i think i've made this joke uh so in 47 we have something crazy happens crashes in new mexico on mac mac brazel's land and people are like ah, this is some the the metal bends and then you know all of a sudden it reshapes into its original form it's nothing like we've ever seen there's and maybe there's all kinds of reports. And then uh, two days later, even the army says, by the way, we captured a flying disc. Yep. And even, you know, two days later, they're like, oh, no, it's just a weather balloon. And, you know, it's made out of tinfoil. And I thought that was funny because this year we shot down weather balloons and said it was UFOs. That's right. That's our government. Our government's <laughs> like, no, we, we're shooting down something UFOs. And people are like, hey, we're missing our $12 uh, <laughs> weather <laughs> balloon that we launched over Nebraska. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
I'm like, what kind of strange door did we walk through that <laughs> uh, now everything's yeah. reversed? And, you know, there, there was back when I was a kid, I used to watch these documentaries like, oh, it's on a loop. You know, I was fascinated with this stuff. Me and there too. was one guy who had taken the footage of if you look at the footage in 47, uh, I think when they get to Fort Worth and uh, one of the main generals comes out and they're going to refute the story and he's going to show you the pieces of the the weather balloon, you know, and it's just it's so silly looking like he's just holding up like a like a little piece of tinfoil, whatever it is. Uh, Wasn't it DuBose? Yeah. I think I think you're right, but there was a there was one of them was leaning down and he had he a, a, piece a of list of reports, right? Yes, yes. yes. You're yeah. talking about Ramey in his hand. People have magnified what it said. It Freeman got the negatives. Yes, he he paid for the negatives, and then they were able to make out some of the words in there. And it was and part of it was like story. saucer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Thanks for bringing that. I was going to bring it up earlier, but then I was like, well, how do I weave it into everything? But well, you just let Tony do it. I just that I'll weave it. Ramey is Ramey is kneeling down, and he's holding a piece of paper in his hand. And someone magnified it. I guess it was uh, Stanton Freeman, and it was a part of the cover story. Yes. And they, you could actually see it. Yeah. And I always wondered about that because it's right there in the photograph. Did they want people to eventually be able to see that, like on purpose? Devils yeah, in the details. Well, it yeah. said things like wreck and urgent and ship right. dish B twenty nine because they took supposedly the general's furniture to Fort Worth on the B twenty nine. That's what they told them. By. Right. This isn't Ikea, gentlemen. This is very nice stuff. It's like, why do you need a B-29 to hold this piece of balsa wood and saran wrap? I, mean, I was like, what is, what is this? It he likes like to the, sit on it. No questions. It looked like the tinfoil that was around the Apollo, like the, the Apollo equipment. You know what I mean? I was like, That's oh. for another episode. Well, soon. Yeah. Coming yeah. soon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> there's, so, there's so much here. I mean, you know, the 47's huge for this. Yeah. And it's a, and you know you talked about I think I mentioned earlier uh this is the beginning of uh, the nation state of Israel. Yeah. which would play a major role in world events. Like we can't even imagine like what what's life like, you know, geopolitically without the state of Israel. You've got um the you know modern Middle Eastern warfare, all that stuff stems from uh, the yeah. that origin story that what comes out in 1947 and and the uh, national security state. So these things flow together. You know, we were talking earlier about you know flying saucer originating in Denison, and that just comes from memory. And we'll we'll talk about that on another episode. But I'm literally sitting in downtown Denison, Texas, and there's a a restaurant up the street. And it's called 34 Chop House, and 34 comes from Dwight Eisenhower, who's the 34th president of the United States. Yeah. And he was born here. And in, a, in UFO lore. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Right. In UFO lore, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, by the way, his granddaughter has gone on Don Jeffrey's show, I protest, and, and yeah. believes this story that he actually had contact the with UFOs. The agreement, right? The agreement, right? Or something like that. Now, uh, I'm agnostic on it. I don't know. Uh, I think that's that's a way out there story. But I think as we as we kind of careen into the future in 2023 and onwards, is anything off the table anymore folks? I mean, are you really, are you really tethered to, to like the sacred cows of what's up and down anymore? Besides that there's a God and I, you know, and he has a son. I I think that's pretty much all I know um, anymore. Uh, So I I would, I would say that, that things are stranger than, 
what we've been taught and what we've, I think what we have the courage sometimes to accept. And uh, those, those are the things that are coming out of, of, of this year in conspiracy. Cause we, you know, we, we've talked about two other years. We talked about 1979 and we talked about 1913. Um, Both have their significance. Um, But this is really different because this is like the, this is the, the armament, you know, like all the thing that the, what makes the, what makes the, the violence the alphabet, possible? The, what makes the alphabet possible? agencies that run our lives. Right. 1947, like you said. You know, America. you talk about James Forrestal. Did you guys yeah. look, look up James Forrestal? You know, he was uh, Secretary of Defense. By the way, the, the, the Department first. of Defense, that was something that was renamed by Harry Truman. Harry Truman, it used to be the, the, the War Department, War Department. Right? right? And which I think is a better name. Right. Because that's this that should ha- it should carry a weight. It's heavy. You know, yeah. this is we're, this is war. We're, we're, we're in this department. We're thinking about war. It's it had been the war department uh, since the inception of the country. Harry Truman changed it to the Defense Department. He also changed the um, presidential seal to have the eagle facing away from the arrows and towards the olive branch. Made a lot of subtle changes. Harry Truman did a lot of big things. Of course, you know he's dropped the bomb. He recognized Israel, all this stuff, and then people um, give him hell. Harry, no, nobody thought he could win uh, a second term. You know, he was he was he took over for Roosevelt when Roosevelt died uh, in 1945, uh, just after winning an unprecedented uh, was it third term as president. Um, you so, FDR. FDR, yeah. Well, he was four, he was fourth four term, term. Fourth term. No, yeah. you're right. You're right. Fourth term. Yeah. He, he was his only, last, last of the third and into the fourth. The yeah. only president to ever do that, I think. Yeah. And that's why they changed the law after him. Right. Uh, yeah. They you, just thought it was understood before then you didn't do that. <laughs> right. Because right, Washington, Washington said it. Said it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, but he was like, no, I'll take, I'll do more of them, you know. Uh, <laughs> he was like an extension of uh, Woodrow Wilson. You know, FDR was just, he got some great quotes, you know, like uh, uh, if if it's in politics, uh, if it happens in politics, you can bet it was planned. Right. Yeah, well, thanks for letting us know, you know. And then uh, then it's like, and all the way. By the way, I was very surprised by Pearl Harbor. Like, no, you weren't. Right. You know, I mean, this is just uh, FDR one hundred and one. Not, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Um, but yeah, you're right, Chris. Thanks for reminding me. That's fourth term, and um, Harry Truman had taken over, and they just thought he was just like. You know, they ran a guy named Tom Dewey. Yeah. Uh, after you know, in in four in forty eight, they thought this guy's toast. And uh, I actually have that hanging on my wall. the The newspaper article, uh, you know, uh, Dewey defeats Truman with Truman hand, holding it up in the Chicago Tribune. You know, in my <laughs> in my office. Yeah. Because um, I think that's an interesting story. Don't ever count somebody out. Uh, Harry Truman being one of those. But this is a, I think, one of those years where he just it just shapes the the. Uh, the country, the, the the United States, and the modern state as we know it, yeah. uh, it's unrecognizable beforehand. If, I mean, if you read history, like wow, you didn't have all those things. Right. Um, you didn't have this. The CIA didn't run the country like it does now. And then it gets tied into Hollywood, and Hollywood ties into uh, you know shaping public opinion, and it all feeds into each other. So you're right. You, 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 sh- you should explain uh, what Hollywood means, like the origins of Hollywood. Oh. Yeah, just since you are bringing up Hollywood, you well, know what I'm talking about, don't you, Tony? And yeah, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. 
please, Tony. Please. We put you on this phone. Druids use them. Yeah. yeah, it was the Hollywood. It comes from the, the, the type of wood that was used in a magic wand. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. that's like a, a cast a spell, you know, and it's a magic wand. It was Hollywood. And, so uh, watch a channel. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, all like the doing the, I'm like doing the, the, I don't know if that's how, is that how you cast the spell? No, that, that's like a, with a, a band or whatever. Uh, no, it's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, conductor. No, no, yeah. That's Fantasia. Speaking of casting a spell, so this is where we, we usually change gears in these shows and we'll go, okay, yeah. now here's the facts. Here's right. here's what we know. Here's the headlines. Here's well, you know, facts as much as best we can. I mean, delving right. into the past. I mean, uh, history is a pack of lies agreed upon. But let, let, we we've we've established what we can basically prove through links. But Mr. Anderson was talking to me off air. There's something weird yeah. that happened in '47 uh, and prior to that. Uh, let's let's talk about Alistair yeah. Crowley. Yeah. So we kind of arrived at the same point when we were communicating. It's like, no, you take it. And you're like, no, you take it. <laughs> but yeah, he died in 47. And so he deserves an entire, you know, episode. Just sure. the, all the strangeness surrounding his life as the beast, um, which his mom nicknamed him because she found him uh, having fun with, with her maid or something like that. Didn't his uh, father die and he was a pastor and then he started hanging out with his uncle who took him to brothels and um you know it showed him how to drink and all this stuff but you know he brought his religion Thelma to the states and two of his disciples I guess you'd describe them as were Elron Hubbard and then somebody else that many people probably don't know of named Jack Parsons and he was one of the four original founders of JPA JPL Jet Propulsion Laboratory which is the premier institution at NASA but he taught them his ways and they had a bunch of sex magic rituals, and they were trying to usher in the Antichrist. And uh, eventually, NASA caught wind of that and kicked Jack Parsons out of JPL. Well, weren't they, uh, weren't they having, uh, which is weird, you get, I mean, Jack Parsons, JP, jet propulsion, yeah. right? So like, some people have argued this means Jack Parsons Laboratories, I mean, it, wedded to the establishment of, of the scientific community. So it's not like they're just outside of everything. Like this is an inside connection to what would yeah, become. Yeah, Pasadena. Is it Pasadena, California, around yeah, Caltech? And and when I was door gashing out there. <laughs> Very yeah. creepy place. Did, did you see any uh, sex ritual parties, Chris? <laughs> no, that, <laughs> they stopped doing that. Delivering the food for. <laughs> <laughs> they involve food in the ritual now. But anyways, Alistair Crowley got really mad at them, and I. Can't remember what year this happened. We were talking about it before the show, but he got pissed and said, Elron Hubbard and Jack Parsons opened a portal and the bastards forgot to close it. That's what well, he was. He was really what I understood, he was referring, he thought that Roswell was those got the Parsons and Elron Hubbard had opened a portal and that they were stupid, that they'd done it incorrectly. They didn't close it. This is a, this is, I mean, yeah. I've read this and I don't know how, and again, this right. is where we're, we're reaching the end of the show where we kind of throw out just off the wall stuff, but it's so interesting to think about to CERN, to CERN. B- because, because yeah. the reason it's interesting, uh, Alistair Crowley died on December 1st, 1947, and he was upset 
with with Jack Parsons, L. Ron Hubbard. By the way, L. Ron Hubbard is the founder of Scientology, ladies and gentlemen. That's where you get that. But supposedly they were trying to usher in the ceremony to to bring in the Scarlet Woman, which is the horror right. of Babylon, mystery Babylon, right? And uh, what I understand to uh, that, and again, it's been written about that Crowley was upset about was that they didn't close the portal properly, and that's what these UFOs were, right? This is what um, what people were seeing was something that had been let in from another another space. And something interesting to that, if you look at the drawing, and I maybe I could pull it up here. If you look at the drawing of what Crowley believed he was communicating with, it was an entity called Lamb. Lamb looks like a gray alien. Right. The, the entity the that have, have I maybe I can pull that yeah. up. Yeah, it, it totally does. Who drew that though? I forget. And I want to know when it was drawn. Which when you say lamb, for some reason I just I'm thinking of uh Baphomet or Baphomet or whatever. Baphomet. You know, that's a uh that's not a lamb, but that's a um goat, right? Yeah, let me let me pull this up. This is totally bizarre. Well well didn't also I mean lots of people wouldn't take this stuff seriously and I, I believe it was Jimmy Page. He thought it was funny. He bought one of Aleister Crowley's old houses. <laughs> and after a little while, he goes, screw this. It was, re- it he was, said right it, was next to, it was on Loch Ness. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. Yep. Really? Yeah. yeah. It was on Loch Ness. Let me see if I can pull this, see if you guys can see this. Did you see that on oh, the screen? Oh, yeah. That's a famous, yeah. Yeah. That was Crowley's image? They, Crowley drew that. Okay, he drew it. I believe so. Aleister Crowley artwork. Wow. Well, that is the archetype, right? Archetype uh, for the gray alien. Yeah. Super weird, huh? Yeah. And you got the whole Scientology thing, too, with L. Ron Hubbard and, you know, uh, what they believe in, you know. He was a science fiction writer, folks. Yes, he wrote wrote a lot of science fiction. That's all I'm saying. I love that Bill Burr bit where he was making fun of it, saying, your guy's name was Ron. He had a driver's license and a social security number. That's your guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you go to that center in Hollywood, it is the creepiest thing because they had a site. The Sea Org? The, the blue one? I think it was on Sunset Boulevard, but it was like the headquarters. And at the time, uh, I went with this girl to their anti-psychiatry or anti, you know, yeah, it was anti-psychiatry, I think it was, uh, exhibit. And the whole time when you're going down into, like, the bowels of the place, you felt like you're being watched, though, every moment, you know, it was the creepiest feeling. And when they find out that you're not famous and you don't have a lot of money, then they seem to not be interested in you. So, all right, keep going. But yeah, so anyway, yeah, so you got L. Ron Hubbard, Crowley, Jack Parsons, and, uh, you know, JPL and everything. So, and the occult. Yeah. Which is, I think, bleeds into our current reality. And I actually had a thought, I mean, I'll talk to these gentlemen off air folks. And uh, I mean, my audience is just a part of these shows as anybody else. And I think about, we should do a a show on future years, not just years in the past. And I'm thinking of like... Because I've thought a lot about the fourth turning 
the concept of the of the saclarum, which is what the Romans called uh, the, the turnings. And so you about a, every 80 to 100 years, massive changes in society. Um, so 80 years into this change uh, from 47 is coming up. And that's uh, 2027. There's been massive amounts of stuff written on 2027, 2025 to 2027. Um, and I think we're starting to see like this. I mean, look at how the landscape has changed in the modern media. Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, five years ago, you were a crazy person for seeing UFO. And now you're getting on um, major news networks to talk about what you saw and how the government has a new agency. You can you can brief them on what you I mean, this is we're entering new terror. They're softening up the public uh, for something. Now, we're, this is our job to discern what that is, because I don't believe anything. that comes to do. I don't believe their intentions. I don't I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what this is for other than to promote an agenda. Well, weren't those kind. videos of the UFOs that they were supposedly classified and leaked to the New York Times, right? Right. And, I, and I, then I, that guy's just well, walking with the reporter doing an interview. It's like, oh, is that how it works? When by the way, I think it? just Tony's opinion for what it's worth. I think every single one of those things that were captured on that video were ours. I think that they're yeah. breakaway. I think that they're, uh, you know, Lockheed Martin skunk work stuff. I mean, I think that's what Dr. Greer thinks. I mean, I think he, he does a lot of lectures and he thinks it's all part of this this secret black ops program no one knows about yeah 1000 percent. you're talking about the yeah. tic-tac video the tic-tac, right? yeah. the, tic-tac the, the whole the whole I, all the little the things tiktok that, video the tiktok have you seen the dancing nurses on tiktok that, that's yeah. when you should be that's when you know you're in a real that's when you're that's when you know you're in a real pandemic ladies and gentlemen when the when the uh the nurses are dancing again that's when i know to be scared. because the hospital's so overcrowded the hospital they so had to dance in the hall well when blue, when blue beam shows up they'll be dancing with the aliens those will be the i think you're right chris i think you're right um ridiculous let's let's end by uh talking about one of the uh side notes which i think should be a bigger uh footnote to this year and that's operation high jump admiral bird antarctica Let's talk about that. Well, it's funny. Can, can I cut into something that might seem a little off topic, but it actually builds sure. into it just really quickly? Because you mentioned them in the list, but you know, British India was partitioned in 1947 as well because they were just so overstretched after the war and poor um, that they decide to let that happen. And it actually led to the formation of Pakistan which was weird because then there was this mass migration, like millions upon millions of people, and they're pretty much segregating the population. All the Muslims were going to Pakistan. All the Hindi, uh, Hindus were, um, you know, get going to uh, India. And there was actually a lot of bloodshed, and it, it was weird. But um, it made me start thinking about, well, you know, they thought colonialism was bad. And as you pointed out, the state of Israel was eventually formed too, and I think that was under um, British rule as well. But I'm like, wait a minute. So I'm not saying colonialism was good, but the British didn't create the caste system. You know, that, that's, that's Hindu religion. But actually, <laughs> Hindus think that stems back like to 1500 BC and came from Aryans. So it could have came from Antarctica. We don't know. So I told you I was going to get back to Antarctica and I did. I think you, you, you actually used the hollow earth to travel there because you went from <laughs> your indirect line. You went through the earth and up through into but Pakistan. They, people really believe that Aryans actually created the castles. 
I'm just saying. Mike, I, I remember when I was, uh, I read a biography of Winston Churchill when I was in Iraq. Uh, William Manchester wrote it. It's a great, it's a three volume set. Great books. And in that book, I, I'll never forget that somebody had taken a, a poll uh, of uh, India after they got their, gotten their independence. And uh, they went out into certain parts of India and uh, asked the people, you know, what did you think about the British rule and now that they're leaving? And there was this massive chunk of people who didn't know they ever came in the first place. There was, they just had no, like, what are you talking about? Like, we just lived our lives. Like, you, you, you occupied some cities. We never went there. And just their lives weren't affected by it. Um, right. That they didn't even know that they left or had been, had arrived at, at all. So it, was like so it, it is interesting. Happened. Yeah, it is interesting. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, well, it's interesting. Like, their languages don't overlap is what I'm told. You can go to one region to another and com- like completely different. They don't understand each other. But well, if you read yeah. about like the birth of Buddhism starts in India, but you don't really associate India and Buddhism really much anymore because no. of Hinduism. Uh, but that was a, a you know a massive start there. But then you look in I, I've been to places like Afghanistan where they have like Buddhist shrines and stuff that they blew up. The Taliban blew up, you know. Um, right. like, like we have our version of the Taliban here. They're just Antifa and leftist and <laughs> communists who blow stuff up and take stat- right. statues down. But um, yeah, I mean it's. A lot of history there. We'll have to do it. Maybe do a show on on the formations of modern nation states here on Paratruther. But uh, uh, yeah, wow. we'll go back yeah. to Admiral Byrd. I know yeah. both of you know Admiral Byrd lore, and uh, we'll close out with that. What do you What do you think? What are you thinking there, Chris Graves? Well, Admiral Byrd, there's an interesting interview that he did after he came back from his expedition to Antarctica, where he mentions on camera that he found a massive he found basically a piece of land that was as large, if not a little bit bigger than the United States. And that there was a lot of natural resources and wildlife and things that we could, uh, you know, that could really help, help uh, human beings out, you know, in a big way. And he didn't live much longer after having that interview. So uh, I think he was probably onto something. I don't, necessarily buy into flat earth lore but i guess you know he does play a part in that and the hollow earth thing um but i I, i'm not against it you know kind of like with the moon stuff which we'll get into eventually but for sure uh admiral bird is a very interesting character when it comes to uh, a lot of different lore that has come from 1947 you know of all you know the year that we're talking about today but yeah, I, he could have, he could we could do a couple episodes on him alone. We will. There's there's more stuff here. A lot and, of weird uh, stuff. Yeah, Mr. Anderson, I know you know uh, a little bit about Admiral Byrd. Um, I know that you had his uh, his journal before it met a fiery end, and that's for another story. But I know you had his journal at one time or something like that. So his uh, his book. Uh, yeah, he, yeah explored, he, he explored both of the of the poles. North yeah, and south. So, right. And isn't it interesting? You can't fly over either. Um, but he was very highly decorated. I mean, he had a lot of there's a lot of reason to believe some of the things he said. Now, the diary that you can read. I mean, there's always questions about how much of this is authentic. But I was always fascinated by the idea of him seeing, you know, giant 
holes inside the earth and it leading to this idea of the earth being hollow. And if you actually do the physics for it, it, it works out. It, it's possible. But I, I also remember hearing a little bit about what you're describing, um, Chris, at during Operation High Jump, where he went on a plane ride and he just lost like the idea or notion of time. And he went to this area with large creatures. I forgot what the animals were, but it's something yeah. like man, like um, what, what were they called? Willy mammoths or something Willy like mammoths, that. Yeah. yeah, I think he said or he described seeing those, and he lands, and it's like an Aryan race, and yes, <laughs> they look like Nazis. Bad. Yeah, well, basically, kind of like the Nordic uh, alien race that we hear about sometimes. We're like right. the Olympians, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, and everything. You know what? There might be something to that because I think there totally is a breakaway society. That uses the yeah. technology that we're not privy to or, or we're not allowed to have access to. Well, Antarctica is interesting. I mean, even those pictures, it's like, what is that? It looks like a giant pyramid. Um, have you seen those pictures? I mean, there's all sorts of weird things that are Pyramids. fascinating about Antarctica that yeah. we don't have a whole lot of information. But right after that, we, they had the massive international treaties. Like everybody signed yes. it. You right. can't explore it. You can't fly it. Not allowed, it's illegal to go there as a citizen. Everybody, there's always people that go there, like after or before big events or elections. Like it was uh, like John Kerry and Vladimir Putin and the Pope, and they're always like moving around to going to Antarctica for whatever reason. It's just reason. ice, right? It's just a big well, slab of ice. Like, I've tried to think about the poles and if the the fields are weak, so you'd be more susceptible to harmful radiation. If that's why they say that, but I, I haven't read that they mention that or even suggest that anywhere. It was. I remember Operation High Jump, they brought in a lot of stuff, a lot of resources to do a lot of research, and it was shortened immensely, and, and they got out. What do you guys know about New Schwabenland? You ever heard that term? I think no. that's an extension of the Breakaway Society concept. But supposedly, New Schwabenland was the actual Nazi base that oh, they established. That, yeah. And that's what they're calling it. Okay, because I thought that was more because of uh, Schwab nowadays. Welcome to New Schwabenland. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. well, I had always heard that. Yeah. Like, uh, and also, I believe it's blacked out with Google Earth. You cannot see these locations using, uh, you know, for military purposes, I think the is the excuse. Uh, uh -huh. You can't see certain areas on the earth to this day because of military applications or national security, which would this be international security since it's not just, you know, the United States involved, but very curious. Well, it's an, it's a curious story. And like you said uh, earlier, Chris, Admiral Byrd didn't live much longer after that. Uh, wasn't he one of these people the same? They like check into Bethesda Naval Hospital, like Joe McCarthy or uh, Forrestal. James Forrestal. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you know, I was something I read from Gore Vidal years ago. He's talking about James Forrestal and a little interesting factoid. He was reading and this, by the way, folks, this is the secretary of defense. And this before I got off on the tangent about uh, Truman and the, the Department of Defense. Uh, he was secretary of defense for Truman and he he jumped out, jumped out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital in 1949. Well, he was reading a copy of the play Ajax it was written um, in the time of the, the Greeks. And I, I pulled this up. I wanted to see if I could 
wonder if that ties into Operation Ajax later on. Well, that's interesting because that happened right afterwards, right? Mm -hmm. That was uh, Operation Ajax was the uh, the overthrow of Mossadegh, uh, yeah. the leader of Iran, right? Which installed the Shah. But anyway, uh, Ajax, I pulled this up on Wikipedia. And the play opens with a dialogue between Athena and Odysseus. After the great warrior Achilles has been killed in battle, there was a question as to who should receive his armor. As the man who would now be king considered the greatest Greek warrior, Ajax felt he should be given Achilles' armor, but the two kings, Agamemnon and Melanius, awarded it instead to Odysseus. Ajax became furious about this and decided to kill the three of them. However, Athena stepped in and deluded Ajax into instead killing the spoil of the Greek army, which included the cattle as well as the herdsmen. Athena gave false visions to Ajax, making him see the animals as humans. There, there's, it's, so it's a story about the spoils of war and weaponry and who gets it. And then there's deception there. So something weird about the birth of the national security state. James Forrestal was somebody, if you read his background, he didn't like the elites. Uh, it was very much, he, by the way, wasn't a peacenik. He believed that you had to have like negotiations that always had to be tied to having a superiority in, in armament or uh, the, the ability to use it. So they would say he had a warlike manner, but he was a no-nonsense guy. He was a, a deep religious Catholic, uh, so he didn't get along with Wall Street. Uh, he didn't get along with the ruling class, and he was definitely an anti-Zionist. So there's there's all these weird things surrounding him, and this kind of burst out of 1947. And just thinking about him and Admiral Byrd, and um, doesn't, some, doesn't Don doesn't doesn't Don Jeffries uh, quote him as saying that you know if everything wasn't a conspiracy, sometimes right. You know, that's where go. that's where Gary Allen gets that, uh, yeah. and I think it was James Forrestal told Joe McCarthy that I, I believe it was. The the quote is is that our if our politicians were were merely stupid, then they every once in a while they'd err in our favor. Yeah, but because right. they never do, it's a plan, right? I'm paraphrasing, but it's that's Every, how you know it's on purpose. Everything's a conspiracy. Everything's well, a conspiracy, right? Why on earth did they decide on him for the first secretary of defense? Of defense. <laughs> well, he was he was tied in with the Roosevelt administration, and he was just somebody that could be trusted, I imagine. And of course there are a lot of things, everything changed after we dropped the bomb. It was just a different country. I mean, we dropped the bomb and then you could, you could argue that whatever your beliefs are on UFOs, I think there's a lot of validity to say, you know, we did something like we, we broke through to something. And when we dropped that bomb, we dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And of course we detonated one, uh, was it at least one? Is it one in Los Alamos or was it more? Duke? Do you remember? Um, well, are you talking about White Sands Trinity beforehand? The first one? The first, was it just one that Oppenheimer, you know, where he I, I, think, I, I believe there? it was just, I believe it was just Trinity because they're having a, a difficult time. I mean, we, we kind of bluffed and I think Japan, if I'm not mistaken, said they don't have any more because, you know, we had to salvage the material. So I'm pretty sure it's just um, White Sands Proving Ground in Trinity. But by the way, that, that movie's coming out. It looks really good. I really want to go see Oppenheimer. Yeah. They're calling it a true horror movie. I've, I've been to Los Alamos before, and what the coolest part to me was walking around and 
somebody lives in his house. It's like, can you imagine how cool that'd be to like live in the same house that Oppenheimer lived in? Well, but, fun fact, Oppenheimer lost his security clearance. Yes. Because he didn't want to build the hydrogen bomb. And right. uh, he quoted the Bhagavad Gita, which, you know, the ancient Hindu text, uh, behold, I become death destroyer of worlds. And when he dropped the bomb um, and he had to live with that. But there's a lot of people on the, the team and Jim Mars talks about this in his books, uh, the, the rise of the fourth Reich. And uh, you could even, there's a whole, I think there's a lot of, of evidence to show that we, the, the Nazis were a lot closer to the bomb and actually traded us some of their tech uh, before the end of the war for uh, uh, through the operation, for what would become operation paperclip. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer, uh, didn't want to build a hydrogen bomb. So he lost his security clearance. That's one of, one of the, uh, one of the victims of the cold war. Well, just remember, but, but Swalwell still has his. <laughs> just remember what Einstein said that world war four would be fought with sticks and stones. After. That's right. He doesn't know what world war three will use, but world war four will be sticks and stones. Well, um, I think we I think we've uh, put together a, a pretty hodgepodge fun little conversation about 1947 and conspiracy and I I think uh this will be uh, good for the archives. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um we got more coming. We got more more shows on the way and uh I I want to thank both of you for for being here and thanks for your research and your time. Can I say well, one last thing, Tony? Absolutely, go ahead. Um instead of getting two thumbs down like we do on every could can we up it to three folks? I mean, we're getting sick I'll of just, the two thumbs down. Well, the, the way you do that is you put my name on it, and that way you know you're going to get three. There's just some guy at home that just does this, and he's just he, all he, I can't I can't imagine. He might have his left arm is atrophied, but his right arm he's just waiting for me to go live, you know. And on the, I feel bad for him because the weeks that I take off, I don't know what he does, but somebody waits for me just to go live, and as soon as I do, they hit the dislike button. So really. I don't yeah. know who it is, but they, it's, it's funny to me. I'm like, I, you're not going to hurt my feelings. Uh, I do this because I, you know, I love it. So, well, I guess for right. giving up, Tony. You, <laughs> I, know what you're, well, I know what you're referring to. Rude, well, rude people aside, uh, you think we should do just because it's only a few years away? Um, Twenty thirty. We should definitely talk about that. I think uh, 2027 to 2030 could be a block of time yeah. that we want to go over because this is clearly, I mean, what we're, we're on a path. And then like this. Because people were writing about 2030 in like 1993. I said, yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. This right. has been, this has been, I mean, and Strauss and Howe, uh, the authors of the fourth turning talked about this back in the mid nineties. There's been a lot of, and I, I want to say, wasn't it? There's uh, different universities that have like computer systems running. Like, when does society collapse? And it goes around that time frame, you know. And uh, the, definitely, there's a lot of things that the elites are trying to engineer. And somebody yeah. said, "Don't call them elites. Call them parasites." Okay, well, I'll call them, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, soulless automatons for Satan, whatever they are. The parasites um, that be. There you go. The, right. The 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 bankster, Bohemian Grove uh, bankster buddies. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the episode guys. Great research as always, Chris, uh, Mr. Anderson. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. Mr. Anderson doesn't have any way. He doesn't want you to find him, but I know Chris Graves does. Uh, where, where can you be found, Chris? Yeah, I can, I can be found on Twitter at, uh, C Graves mask guy and conspiring with Mr. Tom Cooper. Uh, I had to kind of take a whole week off of doing shows for health reasons. So, 
uh, and the new prisoners is coming up, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be on that on Friday, but, and, uh, get mad with Chris Graves on Ocelli.com, but I haven't done those in a while either. I've been trying to take it easy and uh, keep breathing. So thank you for having me on again. Well, thanks for being here. We, we send you our, our love and support. We want you to be healthy. We got to do more paratruthers and we want you to do on your shows. Go find his shows, ladies and gents. Go give him a like. Don't give him a thumbs down. Don't be that guy waiting in his basement, <laughs> you know, for his mom to heat up the uh, the chicken in wings in the oven. He's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, like I, I think they're fish sorry, sticks. <laughs> give me fish sticks. Where's tomorrow. my Nighthawk steak? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be that. Don't be that guy. Uh, <laughs> um, we appreciate you, ladies and gents. Uh, my website is arterburn.news. You can find me there. You can subscribe uh, anywhere podcasts are found. You can find uh, the Arterburn Radio Transmission and Paratruther. Uh, I'm on a show called America Unplugged. Go find it on rockfin.com uh, with the great Billy Ray Valentine, the legendary Don Jeffries. And we sponsor this program with Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. If you want to turn your soon-to-be worthless fiat currency into real, actual, tangible money like gold and silver, you give me a call. Go to wisewolf.gold, or you can look at our membership program. It's Wolfpack. Hundreds of members all over the U.S. We buy your medals for you. It starts at 50 bucks. Wolfpack.gold. Go check all of that out. And uh, in the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time. Life is a continuous confrontation with forks in the road. One is good, one is bad. And you could always wander completely off the road altogether and become lost. Totally and completely lost. If you take the wrong fork at one of these junctions, there is always the opportunity at the next fork to get back on track. But it is a constant battle within ourselves. You see, I have studied this concept for many, many years, and I have to tell you that if there is a real devil, like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it. I'm not telling you that there's no such thing as Satan or Lucifer. I'm telling you this. If there really is a devil, that devil exists in the hearts and minds of men and nowhere else. Nowhere else. For if you take man out of the equation, evil ceases to exist. And there is left only the laws of the universe and the balance of nature. Put man in the equation and before long evil will rear its ugly head and present itself to the world. The evil is within man, and that is why it was called the fall. The devil never made anyone do it. If you do it, you did it yourself because you fell 
into temptation. For until man once again confronts the real nature of his own condition and of the world around him and accepts full responsibility for his actions without blaming anyone else or any devil, until then we will always be a puppet on the end of someone else's string. And ladies and gentlemen, when that someone pulls that string, we will dance.